Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome back to the beautiful horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio. The 40-year vet Tim May is back from Bloomington. So is Andy Backstrom. So is Spencer Holbrook. That's me. Uh, it is the Monday after Ohio State 23, Indiana 3. Um, an up and down, rocky, uh, clunky effort by the Buckeyes, but a win is a win on the road in the Big Ten, and the Buckeyes will take it. Uh, we've done the rewatch, we've done the deep dives, we've done the coverage. Uh, in the immediate aftermath of 23-3 Ohio State over Indiana, the Buckeyes 1-0, 1-0 in the Big Ten. Tim, um, now that you've had a little bit of time to uh, let that win marinate, if you will, um, how are you cooking this steak? Uh, well, it's Labor Day, and we're working, so that tells you something about uh, how we're cooking, number one. Number two, you know, maybe you shouldn't go with me first, because I'm going to tell you something. I saw more possibilities coming out of that game for Kyle McCord and the offense uh, than I did negatives because, and yeah, if you don't get it done, you don't get it done. But there were three touchdowns that were left on the table in that game. Yes. And uh, in the passing game, and you know, I can delineate them for you, but I mean, a couple of them are pretty obvious. But then that one time when they lined up, as we talked about after the game on Saturday, when they had like, what, uh, seven guys, eight guys, eight man line with Marvin Harrison Jr. split wide left uh, in a running back, and uh, they don't even, C.J. Stroud would have immediately had an automatic where he gets to throw the ball to, to the best receiver in the country one-on-one -on -one, uh, against a, a, a defender who, when the play started, he went right around. Instead, they just ran the play, and I think they ended up kicking a field goal in that possession, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, because they never scored going, going to the north uh, with a touchdown. Uh, those are the kind of things that jump out at me is, number one, Cal McCord had a short cord, 
<laughs> for this game, a leash, whatever you want to call it. Run the play we call, because we, we saw another one when uh, Andy's sitting there with me where uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. early in the game broke straight up the seam, wide open, the safety jumped the guy to the outside, and I'm going, you know, that's an automatic read for a quarterback. You see a safety go like that, and the number one receiver in the country is running down the seam all by himself. Marvin Harrison Jr. touchdown. And of course, we saw Marvin Harrison Jr. not able to hold that, catch that pass at the goal line on an outcut, which they, I think they settled for a field goal there. So uh, those are three touchdowns right off the bat that would have really flipped this game uh, in, the, in the realm of public opinion and elsewhere. One of the things, Andy, that stuck out to me about this game was Kyle McCord's debut. Again, I don't count the Akron game. That was a spot start as a true freshman. He played well. In the, he he played did. Pretty well. He in did, game. but like he's such a different player. Yeah. And so it's it, yeah. it's almost hard to even count that. So like this, I I do view this as like his true Ohio State like debut as a starter. Yeah. Uh, that felt more like mop up duty even from the jump because they were playing Akron. Yeah. <laughs> but this was like the actual debut. And one of the things that I I noticed, it's one of the weirdest debuts I've ever seen for a quarterback because. What do you think of when you think of first-time starter? You think, okay, get him in a rhythm with quick passes and set up downfield. Get the running game going, set up downfield. No. He looked uncomfortable with the short passes. He looked uncomfortable in the running game. He looked very comfortable throwing the ball down the field. And I think as, as he compl- started to complete things down the field, he, he, the offense opened up for him and he started to settle in. That was my observation. What, what is your take there? Because I, I just thought that when Ohio State started to open up the playbook a little more and let him throw the ball down the field, he looked good. Yeah, for the most part. I think that was my initial takeaway. Looking back at the numbers, it's a little bit different. Like, I think he was 3 of 13 on throws, 10 or more yards down the field. But, like, that's a little bit misleading, right? Because you look back at some of those throws, and they were on the money, and they just weren't caught. The one on the post yeah. to Julian Fleming across the middle of the field, that probably could have been caught by the wide receiver ball. there. Yeah. Uh, there was another throw to Carnell Tate towards the end zone that was dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few other ones where he put it where it was supposed to be put and it just wasn't caught. So again, that number is a little bit misconstrued. But I do think that, yes, he did look more comfortable, especially in the second half. I do think that the, the arm talent was definitely on display. What I do think that he needs to get better at is the, the reads. Because as Tim mentioned, it felt like it was one read and then a little bit of panic, especially there, especially that on that interception. Yeah. Because Trip trained him trips, and then after that, he kind of went into this panic mode where he threw Kate Silver in the middle of the field, and there was not just one but two Indiana defenders no, that's there. A, that was a major error. Yeah, so I think that the the reads and then the timing are things that he needs to get down more. Because again, with, with the Marvin Harrison Jr. could be touchdown there near the goal line. It was low and behind. And I think what you want to see from from Kyle going forward is working on those two things, making the right read after the first one isn't there, and then having better timing and precision. But arm talent certainly there. I would say my major takeaway watching this game back is they need to do a better job getting Emeka, Buka, and Marvin Harrison Jr. the ball. There's really no excuse for them to have two catches each. I think that they need to be way more creative to get them the ball, uh, whatever it takes. It's almost like they anticipated Indiana taking especially Marvin Harrison Jr. away and just called you know called plays and I'm just going that that's where I disagreed if there if that in fact wasn't the game plan I disagree with that big time but the other problem they had was Indiana did a great job of shooting their linebackers okay that number 44 had a hell of a game I'm trying to struggle recalling his name Baron then, Casey yes 
And then number number one, that transfer from Western Michigan, the defensive end, uh, Andre Carter, he blew up several plays just with great effort. And especially, I think it was a fourth down play where he came off the edge, unblocked, because Ohio State ran basically a zone read option right there. But it wasn't really a zone read because it was really a crack block. But uh, I don't remember, I might have been Cade Stover, I don't remember who was, just missed him yeah. in the backfield. That play might have uh, gained 10 yards before anybody touched uh, whoever the running back was there. I think it might have been Mayan Williams. But the problem was, those are the kind of plays just that blow up drives, you know what I mean? That, that all of a sudden, boom, uh, Jaden Fielding's in there trying another field goal. And, uh, but that fourth down play, when they went for it, and that was the fourth down play when they went for it, when I thought they should have kicked the field goal, remember? Yeah. And uh, they get nothing from that. So there, were, there was a lot of blame to go around on the offense. It wasn't Kyle McCord necessarily related, although he's the guy that's supposed to fix it no matter what. Yeah, well, I want to be very clear. We're not carrying water for Kyle McCord. I, I've, I read the comments on YouTube because it's part of my job. We're not carrying water for Kyle McCord. I think the thing that I will say about what Kyle McCord did well and didn't do well, everything that he didn't do well, I feel is correctable. There were a lot of things that I think are very correctable. Yeah. And if you have a quarterback who's making mistakes that aren't really as correctable as they can, like, you know, if, if there's mistakes that it's just like, this is who he is as a player, that's an issue. If you have mistakes that are like, okay, the timing's off with Marvin Harrison Jr. on the corner out in the end zone, uh, he should have uh, probably you know, thrown a couple of better balls across the middle. He can't be thrown across his body. He's got to still be able to find chip training even though he fell down. That, those things are correctable. Because he, he got back up. He didn't go to his third, <laughs> to his third read because he got a little happy feet. Okay, well, the offensive line is, is correctable to an extent. I think they a little bit are what they are uh, going to be this year. Um, but also, I think that they're going to get better. Everything Kyle did on Saturday, a lot of that are correctable mistakes. And you've got to feel good if you're Ryan Day knowing that in start one, he had a guy throw for 239 yards who looked comfortable 10 of 16 in the second half and who made some mistakes that you look back on and you say, okay, like, like this is the bones are good here. We can work with this. And now you've got two weeks to iron things out because Youngstown State, not going to present much of a challenge in this building behind me. And Western Michigan, or sorry, Western Kentucky, uh, I don't think that defense is going to present many issues either. Those are confidence builders. But that may end up being a scoring match. Well, but I, I just think that like those are good confidence builders for a young quarterback. Yeah. And I, you know, he still is young. His his passing numbers. He doesn't have that many attempts in his career uh, as a third year player. So like I just think everything is correctable, and he's got two confidence games coming up to stack onto his uh, short resume to be able to go into the Notre Dame game with a lot of confidence that he can pilot this offense and he can look good in this offense. Now let's get to the, like, the, the big elephant question in the room. Is this quarterback race over? Because, you know, what we talked about before the game last week was I wasn't surprised that Cal McCord played most of this game because the major concern about for Ryan Day was going to Indiana and getting a victory not about sorting out the quarterback question, uh, if in fact there still is one. Uh, what is your take on that? I don't mean to jump in you and ask you those questions, but what, what is your take on whether this quarterback derby is over? I don't understand how this was handled at all, because I think you're going you're gonna to play with Kyle McCord the whole game, which they end up doing anyway. They should have just said that rather than trying to create the narrative that both were going to play meaningful snaps, because you saw the plan was to get Devin Brown in on third drive. 
Well, Kyle McCord played the third drive, and that's when the interception happened. Then they brought Devin Brown in, which I would have liked to see Kyle McCord after that drive. Get back on the bike. Yeah, and yeah. try to bounce back from that. You got to learn from the mistakes. And Ryan Day talked about playing through adversity. And I guess to a certain extent, he still had to do that. But then when Devin Brown comes in, they don't even let him throw a pass. He doesn't throw a pass until garbage time. Yeah. So we didn't get any data. Uh, quarterback sweep, quarterback power. Is yeah, a, on third is down. And he had no chance. I think yeah. Audrey Carter was already all over right. him by the time he got the ball. So right. we didn't learn anything about Devin Brown in this game. We got no data on that. And I think that it just felt sloppy to me the way it was managed. Um, well, the game didn't go quite according to hold, Right, hold, but, but even plan, on the third you know? drive, yeah. it wasn't out of whack yet. They had yeah. scored a touchdown on the first drive. They went three and out on the second. It's the third drive. They could have easily put Devin Brown in, but they didn't. And then by the time it was the fourth drive, you were already starting to feel uneasy because the interception happened on the third drive. Yeah. Well, so there was, it just, and they were supposed to play them in the fifth or sixth series as well. They didn't do that. So yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm coming away from that game thinking, Kyle McCord's the starter. I guess we're gonna see Devin Brown in these next two games, but it just kind of feels like yeah. A little bit confusing to me why this was peddled the way it was. Um, I get that you want Devin Brown to stick around. I get that you want him to be happy. Um, but it just is confusing the way it was all framed to me. Does Ohio State trust Devin Brown? Because you're in a tight game in the first half. Third, fourth drive he comes in, doesn't attempt to pass. Looked pretty safe to me. And Ryan Day in this quarterback competition has talked about two things. Routine plays, being routine, and taking care of the football. He doesn't say these things on accident. He really doesn't. No, he does and not. And from what I've seen in open practices in spring and in training camp, there have been times where 33 has been a little loose with the football. I'm not saying he's a turnover machine. That's not at all what I'm no. saying. And the explosive plays, when they occur, are explosive. They are good. But you have to take care of the football. And remember last year, Ryan Day, hey, Ryan, does Dallin Hayden have a fumbling problem? No, uh, but we gotta make sure that, that running backs who are on the field for us in big games take care of the football. Okay, well, does that mean that he does fumble in practice? I don't know, but that, that was what you know we had to contend with. Yeah. Okay, hey Ryan, you, you wanna play both of these quarterbacks. What's the biggest thing? Uh, they have to make the routine plays routine and they have to take care of the football. Kyle's doing that consistently right now. Okay, well, what about Devin? Uh, he looks good. Okay, well, does, does he turn the ball over then a little too much for you? Like, those are questions we have to start asking because if he did trust Devin Brown more, I don't think we would have seen, even in a tight game, him only play Devin Brown three snaps, non-garbage time. And hold on a second. And, and, and only throw zero passes because that, that was very confusing to me. But maybe we should have seen that coming based on what we had heard from Ryan Day the last couple of weeks. He threw a pass to Dallin Hayden, didn't he? He threw yeah. three passes total, but yeah. they were all in after time. the game garbage was over. Time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was what what really made it confusing was he enters the game after the Cal McCord interception, and so now then you're asking yourself, was this planned, or was this uh, basically getting Cal McCord out because he had just made a huge mistake? Yes. And then you find out you don't even know because Cal McCord went in the next possession. <laughs> so uh, well, to be fair, Tim, the next possession was a two-minute drill. At the end of the half, uh, but and so I don't care. But, I mean, I'm just saying he went in and ran three plays and came back out, and then you didn't see him again till the end of the fourth quarter. So my point is, like like uh, Andy's talking about the plan. What was the plan? 
but the plane got blown up as soon as Indiana was sort of still making it a game, yeah. yet they still put him in the game for that fourth possession after an interception throw by the starter. So it's, you know, it's kind of confusing the way that was handled. Uh, I don't think there was ever a plan to have Devin Brown play extensively in this game because of what I just said. The idea was you got to go to Indiana, Big Ten opponent, and win the game. Yeah. Uh, Youngstown State, you're going to have chances to play both of these guys. That's when we're going to find out if it's still a competition. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, what isn't a competition? For, start, for starter. What isn't a competition right now is the starting five on the offensive line. Uh, Andy. Maybe that should the, be. The advanced grades are in. Um, it was not pretty um, for this Ohio State offensive line. Uh, nobody expected it to be perfect. Even Justin Fry, I would assume, did not expect it to be perfect. With that being said, though, buddy, a couple issues there. Yeah. Um, Indiana hey, schemed him up pretty well, I will say. I'll give a lot of credit to Matt Guerrero, to Tom Allen, shooting those gaps with, with linebackers, uh, knowing that there's a first-time center, knowing there's two first-time tackles. But... Um, <coughs> There's some issues that need worked out. Well, yeah, leading up to this game, kind of the discussion was communication, 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 because you're playing on the road, you're playing a Big Ten opponent, and you got a first-time center, Carson Hinsman. And normally the center is the one communicating that, picking up signals, saying, hey, this linebacker's coming, picking them up, calling it out, someone picks that guy up, right? That didn't happen a lot on Saturday. That's why you saw those linebackers, those defensive backs, shooting through and making tackles behind the line of scrimmage and kind of stunting that Ohio State run game especially in between the tackles, because most of the rushing yards actually came on the outside because they had to bounce outside because Indiana was just crashing in the middle of the trenches. So I think, you know, people talked about Josh Simmons and they were complaining about his performance. Yes, he wasn't great, but the guards, Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones, were not very good on Saturday. And these are the two returners that everyone talked about as the anchors of this offensive line. I think it's also on them to communicate and help Carson Hinsman out as a first-time center. So I don't think the blame goes to one person. I think this was a, as a collective unit, um, they, they really need to do better in week two. Indiana did a great job, though, of engaging the five offensive linemen and still shooting linebackers. I yes. mean, they did a pretty good job. I mean, you can only block one guy at a time unless you're Orlando Pace. <laughs> uh, you understand what I'm saying there? I mean, they I did do. a pretty good job. And they also, I'm not going to call it luck because everything is, a lot of things are more pluck than luck. But they guessed right quite a few times when they shot those linebackers because shooting linebackers is not the way to routinely stop a running game. But their main thing there was they wanted to, they expected Ohio State to come in running because of a new uh, quarterback. So the reason you shoot linebackers is because if they don't run the ball, now you're in a first time starting quarterback's face. Uh, and I thought they, that worked pretty well. I thought the pass pro for the most part was pretty good. Uh, when it was just pure throwing the ball. And, and so, when it wasn't, too. But, 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 but see, I know, but that, like we just talked about a while ago, Spence, it only takes one play a drive to blow up a drive sometimes. Yeah. And that's, Indiana seemed to get that play a lot. Yeah. And well, uh, which was not, not necessarily luck, but definitely uh, good planning on their part and a little bit of like, uh, yeah, a little bit of lucking out to be in the right place at the right time. And when, when the pass pro wasn't good, Tim, Kyle McCord looked pretty okay on the run. Dude, uh, he had yeah. a couple throws that I thought were, were decent on the run, one in particular yeah. uh, on the rewatch. I think it was in the second quarter. This there was like, yeah. a nice throw by him on the run. Um, I will say this. This wasn't and like watching those two quarterbacks we saw on, what was that, Thursday night? We um, don't 
We don't compare Ohio State to Indiana or any other team in the Big Ten other than two. Michigan in the first half against East Carolina really struggled to run the football. Penn State in the first half against West Virginia really struggled to run the football. There were times where Alabama didn't run the football particularly well, even against Middle Tennessee. There were times against whoever they played, whoever they smacked around, where Georgia looked bad running the football. It's week one. Um, yeah. I'm not giving a complete pass to this offensive line. I see things that absolutely have to be corrected in the next two weeks before they head to South Bend. But <coughs> if, if you want to compare Ohio State to who they should be compared to, there were four other teams just off the top of my head that are immediate contenders that Ohio State has to have an eye on that also struggled to run the football at times in week one. And so now Ohio State has to determine if what they see against Youngstown State, where they'll likely be able to push them around, and what they see against a Western Kentucky defense that hasn't played defense uh, in decades, <laughs> is your run game fixed? Is your offensive line fixed? Or are you playing inferior competition? Well, you don't it know. can be a little of both, but I just, like, you have to be able to find things out about your line. And I thought you could have found some stuff out about the line against Indiana, but the way that Indiana came at them, but also the way that week one just kind of happens with new offensive linemen. I don't know if we have a good grasp of this offensive line just yet, Andy. Yeah, I would say the most alarming thing to me was the fact that they were 2 of 12 on third down. Yes. And as of last night, they were last in the Big Ten of week one teams in third down conversion rate. And I think when you look at this team last year, I think they were 27th in that category nationally. And that's just one thing that I bet you, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, everyone on that offensive staff is not content with right now because if you're going 2 of 12 on third down, and keep in mind, of those 12 third downs, seven of them were four yards or fewer to gain. And they were one of seven in those situations. And sometimes it was running the ball and not getting the first down. Sometimes it was throwing the ball and not converting either. And I think when you're the offense, that's the thing that worries me going into the Notre Dame game at the end of the month. They're not going to really be tested in that regard as much against Western Kentucky and Youngstown State. And that's why, you know, when, when Ryan Day says, you don't want to be reckless, you want to win the game, I completely agree. You want to get out yeah. of week one with a win. The problem is that they're not going to need to be reckless these next two weeks. And then you're going into Notre Dame where you're probably going to have to take more chances. And that's going to be the first time really all month, first time really all season where you're taking chances. Um, and I guess you're just hoping that you're ready at that point, but they certainly didn't look ready to convert and execute the way they need to, not only on third down, but in the red zone. First time in a lot of guys' career that they'll have to be aggressive. Yeah. Kyle McCord, the two tackles, the center, um, even a couple of these running backs who haven't really been in, in that kind of a spotlight uh, you know, before. Like, it's a, That's big for this offense uh, to know what they've got going into Notre Dame, and I'm, again, I'm not sure if they will. I do know one thing about this Ohio State team as we pivot here on the Monday after Ohio State 23, Indiana 3. Tim. That defense, man, uh, Indiana's offense is terrible, uh, truly bad. I don't – I they, they – Or is it? It is. Uh, <laughs> they'll probably finish 13th in the Big Ten this year in total offense. I think everyone can piece together who will be 14th after yesterday. If they get their quarterback uh, back in October, they might be a little bit better, but go ahead. I, the defense, though, the Ohio State defense, I said this on the morning juice, uh, 97-1, on the fan this morning. I appreciate those guys having me on. The thing about this defense that I was super encouraged by is it's week one and a team comes out and runs a glorified triple option against you. Yeah. And at all times, I, 
I would say 90% of those triple option plays, Ohio State was in the right place at the right time, and it was gap sound. I was there up. were a couple plays, maybe a couple guys were out of position, but for the most part, even against bad offenses, there's something to be said for a defense being gap sound, sound in their assignments, and knowing where to be, even when an offense throws a wrinkle at you that you might not have seen coming. No, they, they, the Ohio State defense shouldn't get kudos. Yeah, it was Indiana. Yeah, they had a couple of quarterbacks that, you know, who would not have been in the competition, I don't think, for the starting job at Ohio State uh, this year. Uh, but with that said, they came out and ran something. Ohio State you know, did not anticipate them running, which was the option. I mean, the speed option to the edge on the first play. And like I've, like I've said ad nauseum now, different shows I've been on, the way not just Josh Proctor jumped it, but Sonny Styles also. Yeah, the, way Sonny. They blew, the way they blew that up, like they've been practicing against it all preseason camp, which they may have, they, I'm sure they practiced against speed option kind of things because you try to throw as, as much out there as you can in preseason camp, different looks, et cetera. But the way they jumped it and routinely jumped it throughout the game uh, was a sign of a matured defense, a defense that paid its dues last year. And uh, and really, when you look back on last year, well, I won't get into all that. Last year's last year. But you saw some veterans playing out there. And I saw some guy with some asinine uh, observation on Twitter that the defensive line looks slow. And I'm going, you're playing – you're, you're immediately adjusting to playing against a team that's running an option. Your defensive line has got to play its keys and then attack. That's what that's what that's designed to do. It's not, and so you're going every play. You got to think Indiana's about to run an option play here. You play your keys and then you attack the quarterback. I thought they did a damn good job against a against a deep. I mean, they gave up less than 100 yards rushing and less than 100 yards passing. You know. What more do you want? And a and a field goal that doinked off the upright yeah. and went through. You don't see that every day, right? It was almost but, a, a shutout. But, but my point is, I was incredibly impressed with the way the defense quickly adjusted and got after it. You're you're always going to give up a play or four against another team that also practices and recruits toward Big Ten talent. Toward, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they Indiana has some good players. Yeah. They just don't oh, yeah. have, uh, you know, one a to bus load of them. It's not one to eighty-five. Right. But, but, I mean, like we talked about a couple guys on defense I, you really like coming out of that game. A couple guys on offense you really like too. But I thought the Ohio State defense, this was an A a rating for the opener. That's why Even though Denzel Burton didn't like it because they gave up three points. This Ohio State defense, Andy, uh, I thought pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I Again, massive caveat Yes, because of Indiana. But – but man, there were some there were some players out there. Secondary didn't really get tested because, as we mentioned, Indiana doesn't really have a great quarterback situation right now. But when they were tested, they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, Denzel Burke only allowed one catch on five targets, had two pass breakups, which lived up to the hype he had this offseason as one of the most improved players in the Woody. Uh, I also thought that Davis and Benoson, who played the most snaps of any corner, looked pretty good. Um, he was targeted six times, only yeah, gave up three I catches. A lot in that game. So I think that's noteworthy, the fact that he played 45 defensive snaps, which was at least seven more than both Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock. Hancock was the, I guess, played the least of the, the top trio corners. Uh, so that's just something to monitor. And then safety position to take away, I, I think, as we mentioned, Sonny Styles, watching that back was someone who popped out for me. You know, On nearly every play. Yeah, I mean, I think he was arguably the best run defender all game, 
Um, and it was cool to see him play as much as he did because we've talked almost ad nauseum about how he needs to play and he needs to be on the field. He was, and he lived up to it. I will say we didn't see like any Jahad Carter. We saw a lot of Malik Hartford, especially in the second half. Um, so that was not just Buzz. He's certainly going to play. I wonder if Jahad Carter finds yeah, I mean, a way. That availability list was interesting because you kind of wonder whether the Jihad was held out for any kind of reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's been banged up a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like if he was healthy, he probably would have played at least 10 snaps in that well, game. Well, the way they talked about him, it was a three-man rush, right? Right. I mean, and uh, that's the guy you didn't see. Uh, I agree with everything you just said there. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm stammering because this, this man – was calling it out in the press box. Where's my call? How come my call's not playing every down? And I understand his frustration because we were told, you know, he was going to be the ball. He's got to play the lion's share of the plays, right? Lion's share says. of the plays yeah. doesn't play well, the first snap mean? of the season. Well, what does that Sam? mean when it's 93 degrees feel out on a on – a, I'm, I'm just going – I understand under, they played a lot of guys on that defensive front. Tim, they rolled guys in and out. He didn't play the first snap of the season. I know. In, in the record book now, it was Tyleek and, uh, and Ty Hamilton in there. In the record book now, my call did not start for Ohio State. Okay. How does that happen? I don't know. I they, don't care if the great, if the five best offensive linemen in NFL history are out there and they're going to run the ball down your throat. Yeah. My call on the first play of the season must be on the field. I don't. I. I will. Ne- that might be. The thing, they could lose to Youngstown State, and I would still be more baffled at the fact that Mike Hall didn't take the first snap against Indiana. You start who you I start am, I and am, go from there. I was so okay. amazed but to I see that 11. I wouldn't let that 11. ruin my day. I mean, I wouldn't have let that ruin my chicken. What was that thing in the chicken catchatory or whatever It was that bad. Was. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, in the press box. I wouldn't let that ruin my meal uh, personally. And then Mike Hall did have one memorable play in there, but so did Hero Canoe. Yeah. Or hero, how would how do you pronounce? Is it hero canoe or is it hero canoe? It's canoe. Okay, so uh, it just sounds cool no matter what. Hero and canoe, uh, but I wouldn't let that ruin my day. I thought they got really pretty decent play out of their defensive line. In this I game. agree. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson got in the game, didn't really blow up anything like like we thought he would, but they do, they weren't running classic pass plays. There was know? no obvious passing downs. Correct. For these defensive ends to pin their ears back and be cut loose. Correct. So. Even when Indiana was way behind. And by the way, I remind people, Ohio State won by basically three touchdowns in this game, you know, not five points. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it was eight defensive linemen that played ten or more snaps. So, I mean, I know we talk a lot about the rotation, but it was cool to see here Canoe yeah. get that sack. Jaden yeah. McKenzie had a great moment that wasn't actually counted as a sack, but it felt like a sack yes. from behind taking down Brandon Soresby, one of Indiana's quarterbacks. Um, it was nice to see a little bit of Taiwan Malone. He only played a few snaps, but good to see him on the field for Ohio State. We saw a lot of Tyreek Williams. Uh, with the Mike Hall discussion, I agree that there's times where he should be on the field. I, I don't, yeah, I don't totally understand the first play of the game not being on the field. Yeah. But I will say he's going to play like 30 snaps. So you got to pick your spots. Like he's not, he can't play 50 plus. Like that's just not correct. The point of those guys up front in the interior for the defensive line. Yeah. So I do think that we're just going to have to. I mean, I know we're all keeping that in mind, but as long as he's playing near 30 snaps and he's in at the right times, I'm cool with that rotation. <laughs> I'm okay with it, Andy. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm okay with it against Indiana, against um, Youngstown State, 
I, I don't even want him playing that much against Youngstown. So they get up 21 nothing and put everyone in bubble wrap. Uh, I'm okay with it against Western Kentucky. Really? When you go Austin on, Reed, when you last go, year's leading passer, they're going to come in here throwing the ball, getting off the bus. Tim, they cannot compete with Ohio State. I'm just saying, they're going to come in here throwing the ball, getting off the bus. I, uh, I just like then we'll that. talk about that next week. But <laughs> against, I want more pass rushing that one. Against Notre Dame, that rotation can't happen. You can't yeah. have eight guys. And Mike Hall is going to have to play more uh, because Sam Hartman is going to throw the ball, and Mike Hall has to be disruptive. And right. so, you know, we can, we can be okay with it for now. I'm just, you know, if it's continue, and I guess maybe I'm being a little too harsh for week one because it was Indiana. You had a 20-point lead there. You had a 10-point lead that felt like 30 because the way Indiana was moving the ball. Maybe you, maybe it's right to get all those guys in there. But, like, that can't be a precursor for what's coming. Yeah. It has to be the exception, not the rule, uh, against better competition. Uh, my call is going to have to play more. And I, I get that, that 30 snaps is probably a good healthy amount for him. He's 300 pounds. It's not easy to play more than that, 300 pounds. But also... He's the kind of guy that, that has to be in, the, in big games. I agree. I agree he needs to be in big games, but uh, I like that rotation of the defensive front. I like having, I like the idea of having fresh guys in there a lot. And, uh, uh, for example, I thought uh, I thought Caden Curry played pretty well Yes. In, in that game. I thought Jack Sawyer did too, and I thought uh, for what he was asked to do, J, J, JT Tui Moloau did also. So, uh, you know, the linebackers flowed to the ball. Steel Chambers was in on a lot of hits. Uh, so was Tommy Eichenberg. That's my summation of the defense. I thought they rocked and rolled and got after it. Right before we get out of here, fellas, uh, on the morning after, or the Monday after, it's not the morning after, it's two mornings after. What an idiot I am. Tim, Andy, uh, rapid fire. I'm going to ask each of you an offensive player that stuck out and a defensive player that stuck out. We won't do special teams because I think Jaden Fielding kind of took that just with one? three field goals. Yes, just one guy. Again, rapid fire. Because I got two. Just uh, Okay. Two guys, real quick. I mean, very quick. Chip Rapid Trainum fire. and uh, Kate Stover. Uh, give me a moment there. I was going to say Chip because we all want to say Chip. Uh, I would say Julian Fleming, offensively, and then uh, we're doing defense. Yeah, sure. All right, we'll go defense. Uh, Sunny Styles. Um, Davis and Igbenosa. There you go. Uh, as you said, he wasn't targeted very much, or how much he was targeted but he almost got kicked out for targeting at the beginning of the game. And some people still think he did. You know, where we were sitting in the press box, you couldn't see the replays. No. I couldn't. Uh, so, uh, but I thought I thought for his first game as a Buckeye, I thought Davis and Igbenosin uh, played extremely well. Uh, I am going to go, uh, just because I had to go last, so uh, not really many options there. I will go Julian Fleming. He was my offensive player of the game, and I came away impressed. Uh, I wouldn't give him the offensive player of the game honors. Uh, that'd probably go to Cade Stover. Uh, but if I had to pick one that you guys didn't mention, I thought Joe Royer played well. Um, and, and G. Scott, too. Those tight ends, man, I think they can really use those guys. There was a guy in this game that scored two touchdowns, and we, none of us named him. And well. I thought, I thought, I thought he, when he was in there, Mayan Williams was quite effective. Yeah. He just didn't – he should be on your Mike Hall list. I mean, why wouldn't he in there more often? I mean uh, – What's the what's the answer there, Spence? He's a he's a garbage man, Tim. I don't know. He's a garbage man. I think he delivered the fresh goods with two touchdowns and fighting for both of them, uh, running through tackles on both of them. I, he's I the, thought he was impressive. Travion Henderson, you know, was in and out, you know, and uh, well, he got hit that one time and rocked, but he came back and rocked a, a defender or what a couple of possessions later. But I, I thought it was interesting because I've. Those are three quality running backs that Ohio we'll, State can throw at you. We'll get into that this week. Uh, but I think Mayan Williams is officially the garbage man for me. He comes in, one two-yard situation, pounds it in, picks up the garbage. 
and, and converts it. Uh, and then defensively, uh, let's see. I, I thought Cody Simon played well, uh, giving some guys some flowers who just you know weren't mentioned that much on the show. Uh, and Lathan Ransom. I mean, yeah, Lathan Ransom, Ransom. He's he's everywhere, guys. Like he's. Yeah. I think at this point he's a little bit of one of the backbones of this defense, and I don't think it would be able to go without number eight out there. It was weird to see him in number eight, uh, just because I've, I'm so used to seeing him at number twelve. Uh, but you know, that's his prerogative to change his number, and. Uh, so, yeah, he's a big part of this defense, and I think he's going to be moving forward. Uh, Sorry speaking of, no problem, Tim. So we're all busy here. Speaking of moving forward, we are going to move over across the street to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday, here from Ryan Day, uh, maybe a couple others, as the Buckeyes prepare for a Wait, battle. Wait, interrupt you. We actually have to go over a river from here to get to the Woody Hayes. I'm not here for technicalities, okay. Tim. Right. <laughs> I'm not here for the technicalities. I'm just here to entertain. Neither is and, the Russian Army. And inform. Uh, we're going to go across the street, and I guess across the river. I guess we'll have to ford the river, uh, Oregon Trail style, to get over there to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday for Ryan Day and a couple other Buckeyes, I would assume. The 40-year vet, Tim May, will be there. Andy Baxter will be there. For now, it is the Monday after Ohio State 23, Indiana 3. Thanks for watching on your fine Labor Day. Enjoy your day off, folks, and we will see you in the Woody on Tuesday for more coverage from LettermanRow.com. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.